0: Well, I hope that you've had a, a great week. I hope that uh, the, the shift in weather has brought you the kind of energy it has brought me. I'm, I'm uh, frankly a little bit embarrassed I could be that, that, that shallow that the change in weather could make such a difference. Sherry has been in Atlanta with uh, her parents for most of this week, and I called her and I said, you know, the sun came out, the snow left. It was like a, pushing off a wet blanket. I said, uh, I just feel like... Wow, we're 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 back. We're ready now. This is Chicago. This is March. We have we have at least three more months of uh, of cold weather. So uh, be be forewarned. But it's great while it's here. So um, earlier this week, I sent a, an email to uh, six of my friends, and I said, "Look, I need your help. I'm." I'm I'm starting the sermon, it's going to be on John 8, and I, I need an illustration uh, out of real life. I need a story out of real life. I need something out of the movies where somebody says something and it just takes all the energy out of the room. It takes everybody's breath away. People are like, I, I can't believe he just said that. Or did she say what I think she said? Now, I, I didn't put in this email, but I was thinking... Something like, and I had two examples in my mind. One of them was uh, Joe Namus guaranteed that the Jets were, were going to beat the Colts in Super Bowl three. The other one was something, some of the statements that Muhammad Ali said. You know, I'm the, I'm the greatest of all time. Whatever, whatever he said, it would be some uh, Muhammad Ali statement. I didn't reference those, but I, I sent out this email and I said, you know, any help you, you can provide would be great. So five of them wrote back. All five of them <laughs> gave me the two illustrations that I was thinking of. The Joe Namath, Super Bowl three and uh, a Muhammad Ali quote. Four of them, that's all they gave me. The fifth gave me one other. A John Lennon quote where he says that the Beatles are becoming more famous than Jesus. So uh, apparently when you're looking for a, I can't believe he just said that. Or I can't, or did she say what I think she said? Like you're either, you're either referencing Namath Muhammad Ali or perhaps... The most outrageous statement ever made, the most shocking, stop everything, drop the microphone, uh, kind of statement ever issued, and that is the statement that was issued by Jesus in John eight. It's the statement in which he says, "Before Abraham was, I am." Uh, I am. I am excited about this series uh i'm excited about the we're looking at the the seven i am statements from john there's actually going to be nine sermons because uh i'm sort of setting it up with this one uh, out of exodus 3 and john 8 and then uh on palm sunday we're going to look at an inter- interchange between Pilate and jesus where Pilate asks jesus are you the king of the jews and he says i i am um but uh I'm excited about this series because it gives us an opportunity to look at Jesus, which is always a good idea, but I think especially important right now. It's, it has been a challenging year. It has been a year that has knocked many people backwards. It's been a year of hardship, a year of loneliness, a year of fear. Or year, it's been a year of turmoil. It's been a year of, uh, of, of sort of national unrest. And so we have a chance to look at Jesus and not just to sort of look at Jesus, but to understand the kinds of claims that Jesus is making. And that's always a good idea. And it is often... A surprise for people. Because Jesus lives so simply. Because he lives so quietly. Because he is so self-effacing. Because he says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Because he cares for people on the fringes. Because, because of Jesus' general vibe, uh, the fact that he is so humble, when people think of Jesus, they think Humility. As a matter of fact, uh, we, don't, we don't really appreciate this, but, but Jesus changed the world around pride and humility. When you go back to the ancient world, when you're looking at the Greeks and the Romans, when you're going back in, the, in that, that time frame, pride was considered a good thing. Like honor, it was an honor culture. You never wanted to show weakness you, humility was a weakness. You never wanted to admit any faults. You never wanted to, you wanted to assert yourself. And, and everything changed. And uh, in his book, uh, Humilitas, John Dixon notes, he uh, did a PhD in ancient history, and he was part of a project where they were trying to figure out, the ancient historians were trying to figure out How did this all change? And they all went out. They were from all kinds of universities throughout Europe. They all went out to their separate fields of study and they all came back and they all agreed. The the elevation of humility, the the shift from this, this culture that celebrates honor and is all about pride to one of humility being the virtue, this happened because of Jesus. And they further agreed. It happened not because of Jesus's teaching, although Jesus's teaching points to this. It happened because of Jesus's life. So, uh, so many people understand that Jesus and humility get associated with each other, <laughs> except not Jesus's statements. Right? So people are expecting, because Jesus is all about humility, because Jesus goes to the end of the line, because Jesus is serving, because, because of the way he lived and carried himself, people are expecting that his statements about himself would be humble. And they are absolutely not. It is impossible for anyone to make bigger claims than Jesus makes about who he is. So in light of the fact that we're going to look at Jesus making statements about who he is and and his claims to be God and the savior of the world and and, and the ultimate king of everything. Uh, This is, in one sense, this easily could be, I should say, uh, a great outreach sermon. People getting a a new look at Jesus. So please, by all means, uh, uh, invite your friends to the rest of the series or and, you know and inviting people today doesn't even mean they have to show up at church if that's threatening right thing then just watch it just send them the link I mean that's that's easily easily done but um but I'm not going to make this an outreach series per se I want to want to I want to encourage those of you who have Uh, already put your weight down to take another look at who Jesus is and uh, and you're going to see there is this whole this this passage John 8 just demands that we ask three questions and those sort of go throughout this whole series who does who does Jesus think he is Who do those listening think he is? And who do I think he is? And so there's opportunities here. Again, invite your friends. This this will be a good series for that. But I want you to think uh, about how you would answer that question and to take some encouragement in all of this. So we're going to be in John 8. It's a long passage. Uh, It's sort of a, a little bit of a hostile interchange that Jesus gets into Interestingly, at the first part of John 8, it's uh, the Pharisees are involved. Interestingly, at the end it's it's with his followers. Um, so I'm going to read a lot of text today. It just it it's gripping and it carries it it carries itself. But before we go there, we need to go to Exodus chapter 3. You have to understand what's going on. You have to So Exodus 3 is where where uh, the God has heard the cry of the Jews who have been uh, slaves in Egypt for you know 400 years, and He is raising up Moses. So this is the burning bush. This is God calling Moses. You need to go. You know, I, I'm sending you back to Pharaoh to 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 work out the release of the Jewish uh, prisoners. And so uh, this is the passage where Moses. Has, this, has a chance to ask a question of God, and the question that he asks is very important. So Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, uh, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I tell them? So Moses says, I go. First to the Jews and I tell them, I am here sent by you. God has sent me. And they say, what is God's name? Which is not actually just about the name. The, the uh, Biblical names carried meaning. They, they portrayed character. You could tell things about people by their name. Uh, God said to Moses, tell them I am who I am sent you. Uh, this is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. So I am who I am is the covenant name of God. It's God's name as opposed to title. So for all through the Bible up to this point, I mean really Genesis, the first couple chapters of Exodus, the Hebrew term that has been used has been Elohim, which is plural of El, E-L, which means God. And so El Shaddai, El Elyon, all these things are are just derivations of sort of titles of God. This is not the title. This is the word Yahweh. This is the tetragrammaton, the the only word in Hebrew that has four consonants instead of three. This This is the name that is so sacred that the Jews won't write it. They won't even say it. Right? So, so this is the backdrop for what's going to happen later on. When God, when Moses asks God, "Who are you?" God says, "I am." Right? I will be who I will be, not who you make me. I am in charge. I am the self-referential one. I am the uncaused. There's so much packed into this name, but, but it is I am. That is Yahweh. That is that is a word, a term so sacred the Jews won't write it, and even. Even today, on some uh, synagogues, you'll see their sign out front. Uh, if, if they reference God, they don't spell it G-O-D. It's G-slash-D. They don't want to take the name of God in any way, shape, or form, especially Yahweh. So, with that as backdrop, we turn to John 8. So, we're picking up uh, partway through the chapter. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued. Jesus said, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. So we're starting to see a little bit of a the claims (laughs) these are odd statements for somebody to be making not for Jesus to be making but for for anyone else I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he you will indeed die in your sins who are you they asked Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. He who sent me, God the Father, is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man... Okay, important term. So let me go to Daniel to reference this because this is a huge claim in and of itself. Daniel chapter 7, there's this prophecy that's given. In my vision at night I looked up and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, Ancient of Days being God the Father, uh, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. So who is the Son of Man? People sometimes think that when Jesus calls himself the Son of Man, not the Son of God, that, that this is part of his humility. But the Son of Man is the one whom everyone is going to worship. All authority, glory, and power is being given to the Son of Man. So that's what Jesus is saying here. His demand. Um, Oh, his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is still uh, still out of Daniel 7. So now we jump back to John 8. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, Jesus is talking about himself, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me, he has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him, even as he spoke, many believed in him. Jesus, the the power of Jesus, being in the presence of Jesus, people are always amazed. Some people are, are raising their hand and stepping in already. Now, note this, to the Jews who had believed him, so. There's been perhaps some Pharisees in the audience, um, but we're starting to see that this is the followers of Jesus, the Jews who had believed him. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So let me just say... we, we become a child of God. We become a disciple. We become a Christ follower by, by accepting, by receiving, by exchanging our sin for his righteousness. It's a, we are justified on the basis of what Christ has done. Christ and Christ alone. Um, so we, we rest on grace, but we don't hide behind grace. So he is calling them, to, to believe in him, but also to obey his teaching. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Okay, so obviously there's still going on here understand uh this seems like a little bit of a um, non-sequitur based on their history I mean the Jews had been slaves right they've been slaves uh to the Egyptians they've been they've been slaves to the Babylonians so how can they say they've never been slaves well they're thinking they're making a statement here about spiritual freedom they're making a claim here that they are the people of God. We are not like the Gentiles. We are special. We are the chosen ones. We're the, we're the sacred ones. And so we're not like we're not like everybody else. We have never uh, not been free. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, and by the way, uh, truly, so we're going to see this several times. This means Jesus is particularly serious whenever very truly is is uh, the English translation. The Greek word truly is amen, interestingly. Uh, amen at the end of a prayer is sort of like, this is true, so be it, whatever. But it's it's repeated here. So amen, amen in the Greek. Very truly, listen to me. Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to it forever. So he's, he's, making, he's making a contrast that would be understood in that setting. You could have two 15 year old boys living in, in this home. And on the one hand, they, bo- they're, they look alike. They're 15 year old boys who live there, who sleep there, who eat there, and who recognize the, the, the head of the house as being in charge. However, one of them is a slave and one of them is a son. So the the gist that Jesus is saying here is (laughs) you're actually, you're you're living in, in bondage to your sin because you have not let me make you into a son. You have this privileged position in your mind, but it's not really true. You are like, if you go back to the parable of the, of the uh, prodigal son, you're like the older brother. You think you're better than everyone else. But in fact, you're just as lost. You need to accept me. You need to receive me. Then I can change your status. Um, I can give you real freedom. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me uh, because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Okay, There's some smack talk going on here. uh, As you're going to see, Abraham is our father, (laughs) they answered. If you were Abraham's children... And, and biologically they are, but spiritually at this point he's saying they're not. Uh, the, the covenant of Genesis 12 and all that. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. Um, as it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I hear from God. "'We are not illegitimate children,' they protested. "'The only father we have is God himself.'" Jesus said to them, "'If God were your father, you would love me, "'for I have come from God. "'I have not come on my own. "'God sent me. "'Why is my language not clear to you? "'Because you are unable to hear what I say. "'You belong to your father, the devil.'" And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says the Jews answered him, <laughs> aren't we right in saying you are a Samaritan and demon possessed? So Samaritan is a racial slur about as derogatory a term uh, in the first century as the Jews could think of. So aren't we right, aren't we right in saying you are vile and bad and demon possessed? Which is a charge they, they had frequently thrown against him. Interestingly, he doesn't respond to the racial slur. He doesn't recognize it as a racial slur. He doesn't recognize being a Samaritan as being a bad thing. Uh, He he doesn't engage them on that. But what he says is, I am not possessed by a demon. But I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one, the father in heaven, the one who seeks it. Uh, and he is the judge. Very truly, here we got it again, amen, amen, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. Again, these are not small claims. Jesus is promising eternal life. At this they exclaimed, now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets, yet you say that whoever obeys you, your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, who you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. (laughs) But I do know him and I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was pleased. They respond. By the way, when he saw Abraham's when Abraham saw Jesus's day refers back to uh, when most likely I think it's Genesis 22 when uh, Abraham has taken Isaac up onto the mountain to sacrifice him and uh, and then God the angel stops uh, Abraham from from uh, this act of killing his son. And there is a ram that they find in the, in the thickets. The ram is going to be the substitute sacrifice. The ram is, Jesus is the new and better ram, right? So there's a sense in which it is a foreshadowing of Jesus. And so um, Jesus is saying, look, uh, Abraham saw my day uh, and he was glad. They go, you're not, you're not 50 years old and you have seen Abraham. Because he's claiming he, he saw this. He saw Abraham, you know, see who he was going to be. Abraham had lived 2,000 years earlier. So they're like, so you're 2,000 years old? I mean, this doesn't work. Uh, there's nothing about this that works. And then uh, we, get, we get the big line. So again, amen, amen. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am and he takes the covenant name of God. He, he goes back to the most sacred term. He, he claims the not just the title, but the very name of God. He uses the word that no one will speak, and he says, I am. I am God. Before Abraham was born, I am. I am God. At this they understand it. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. <laughs> okay. Uh, you stone somebody for blasphemy. They understand immediately what it is that Jesus is saying. They picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. So um, as I said, it's a passage that sort of carries itself. There's so much going on there. What I want you to see is that what we get in John 8 is the most uh, amazing, the most shocking, the most are you kidding me, did he just say what I think he just said, statement of all time. Jesus is claiming to be God. He is claiming to be self-existent. He is claiming to be eternal. He is claiming to be the uncaused cause. He is claiming to be the eternal sustainer of everything. He is claiming to be the creator of everything. He is claiming that he is the ultimate judge of everyone. He is claiming to be the son of man. He is claiming to be the Messiah. He is claiming to be greater than they understood the Messiah to be. He is saying... I am that I am. He is claiming to be God. There has never been a bigger claim. There can't be a bigger claim. Do you see? (laughs) Jesus may have lived as a servant. He may have gone to the end of the line. He may have willingly suffered on behalf of other people. He may have been very small in his, you know, carbon footprint (laughs) he may have been very humble in his life but he was not humble in his claims he makes the biggest and boldest claims of all time so i said there were three questions the first question is who does jesus think he is (laughs) he thinks he is the eternal sovereign all-powerful God. He is. I I am the I am. That's who Jesus thinks he is. Who do the people listening to think that he is? Well, let's note who they don't think he is. If if you were to um, go to the library for a lecture or a university for a guest lecture or Barnes and Noble or whatever you're going to, you know, there's no COVID protocol in place. You're going to go out again into public. You're going to go hear some author speak. You're going to hear somebody give some talk about principles of whatever, whatever it is, you've decided you're going out to hear this lecture and you and, and the friend or a spouse or whatever, your parents, your kids, you go to this lecture and Instead of hearing what you think you're going to hear, instead of hearing, you know, six steps to this or eight principles or what's going on, instead of hearing that, what you hear is somebody say, I am the ground of all being. I am the the uncaused cause. I am the one who is holding the universe together. I am the creator of everything, everywhere. I am the one who will decide your eternal destiny. Right? If, that's what the, if that's what the speaker says. Here's what you don't think. <laughs> like At the end, when you leave, you don't turn to each other and say, that was a really good teacher. Like, you know, sort of held my attention, interesting uh, stories. Yeah, that was a good teacher. No. No, you're either saying, oh my goodness. This is the most important moment of my life because I have now been with God. Or you say, that person was completely insane, a a total psychotic break. Or that person was evil incarnate. Right? You don't say, good teacher. And yet that is what so many people want to do. It is exactly what Jesus does not allow us to do. Jesus says, crown me or kill me. <laughs> there is no in between. Crown me, make me Lord, or get, as, get me as far away from you as you can. This is, the, this, is, this is what sets up C.S. Lewis's classic Lord, liar, or lunatic statement. And so that brings us to the third question, and that is, who do you say that Jesus is? And I am, um, am going to call the question. So the fact that you're here, the fact that maybe you're watching online, the fact that you're tuned in suggests that you think you're following, or at least that you're interested in following. I, w- I want to remind you, Jesus is speaking to people who say that they believe in him, but he has a very tense and hostile exchange because there's a whole lot they don't understand, and and really what we see is they're sort of, they're sort of straddling the fence. Now, um, in fairness, nobody perfectly straddles a fence. I mean, you don't, you don't want to sit in the middle of a fence. You don't want to be you don't perfectly want to be divided sitting on a fence, not for very long anyway. So we sort of sit on a fence, but we commit to one side or the other, uh, either sort of skepticism or, or we're in. So um, I want to say to you, make sure you're not on the fence. <laughs> Would you get off the fence already? Like, Jesus is, is as clear as he can be. Follow me with everything you've got or run away. Crown me or kill me. Don't do this mamby-pamby middle of the road. Jesus is a good teacher thing. It doesn't work. It's just a complete concoction of your own relativistic thinking. We owe it to ourselves and arguably to Jesus to listen to what he says, and to respond. So, <clears throat> in a minute, um, campus pastors are going to give you um, uh, a phone number that you can text. I just want to say there's, there's two different groups of people that need to text this number today. <laughs> the first group uh, are those of you who say, you know what? I am leaning towards crowning him. I I thought I had crowned him, but honestly, I I've lost some zeal. I've lost some energy. I've lost some passion. I've I've I have I have not been who I know that I uh, could be, should be. I'm not running hard after Christ. And so, if that's your situation, I want to encourage you to to text the uh, to text the number that we're going to put up, and that will. Uh, give you an opportunity to talk with a campus pastor you have to indicate which campus you're at and but you can talk to a campus pastor you could you could decide it's it's time for me to get back into a small group uh, we've created an additional resources for this IM series uh, for small groups and so it's time for small groups to be back up and running and and so maybe this is what you want to do you, wanna, you want to you uh, want to to get back into a small group or to get your small group back up and running or maybe you want to have a a conversation you want to do a spiritual check-in uh because you want to think about other next steps or whatever that would be so so if you're sort of uh straddling the fence but you're leaning this direction uh i want to say you want to text that number and and indicate that you, you want to you want to talk to the campus pastor go that direction the other group, I'm just going to say, if, if you finally today get it, that Jesus is not simply a coach, he's not simply a good example, he's not simply a teacher, he's not simply a moral reformer, he's all of those things, he's all of those things, but he is also calling us to follow him as God. He is Savior of the world. And that's where it starts. And, and throughout that John 8 passage, he kept saying, you've got to believe in me. you got to trust me. You are, you are bound up. You are a slave. Maybe you're a slave to religion. Maybe you're a slave to, to trying to earn God's favor. That's the, You're the older brother. You're just as bad. You're just as lost. It's just as immoral as, as the prodigal son. So when you see Jesus for who he is, what you need to do is to say, okay, I'm in. I want a savior. I want to be forgiven. I want to be reconciled with God. I want to exchange my sin for Christ's righteousness. And so as we end, I'm going to pray for people on this side. And then I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer that, that if it captures where you're at today, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer. And then I'm going to encourage you also to text that number, because this is not the end. This is very much the beginning, and we need to be in touch with you. So let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for uh, your word, which can at times be absolutely uh, electric, and the, the teaching of Jesus, and the clarity of Jesus, and, the, and the, uh, the, the clear, bold claims that he makes and forces the question. So I pray, Father, for those that are sitting on the fence. And leaning in, but are stalled, uh, Our father. Their their understanding of where they're at would even suggest that they're not there. I want to pray, Spirit of God, for energy and renewal and refreshment and energy. Uh, Guide them, um, help this next season of life to be one of uh, growing intimacy with you. Uh, so I pray that they will take a next step and that you will honor that. And now I wanna, um, I, I wanna, I wanna model a prayer that you could pray if uh, you are wanting to make a decision for Christ. So if you want to, you're leaning, you're on that fence, but you've been leaning the other direction and you wanna jump onto the right side, I wanna encourage you to pray something like this. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I have done wrong in my life. Forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong and I am turning to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and and set free, that I could be adopted into the kingdom uh, of heaven. Thank you for the offer of forgiveness and the gift of your Holy Spirit. I now accept that gift. Please come into my life by your spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.